right, good morning. I am so glad that you are here with us, part of this series. We're actually in week number four of this series. If you've missed any of this, oh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. You can pick up those episodes, uh, those weeks on uh, SoundCloud. If you just search for my name, Harley Petty, then those weeks will be right there. You'll be able to find them, and I hope that you will. But even if you have not heard any of the previous weeks, you have still picked a great day to be here because you won't be lost, I promise you. All right. Now, let me start with a quick story. Um, so let's go back to when I was 18 years old. Uh, no, 16. 16 years old. I had my first car. It was a metallic, turd brown, 1973 Ford Maverick, <laughs> three on the tree. And uh, it had a short, a short block in it and uh, had been bored out. It was a peppy little car. I loved it. And this particular day, uh, every once in a while, riding home on Colonel Glen Road in Little Rock, um, we would uh, kind of play a, a passing game. Um, and because there were a lot of curves and you could only pass up to a certain point. This one particular day, um, I, I uh, decided I'm going to get the last pass in on my buddy. And so I jumped into the turn lane and right before the corner, I got in between him and another car. Uh, please don't try this at home, teenagers. This was stupid. This was stupid. And I jumped in. Uh, to that space where there really wasn't space for me. And I scared the person in front of me um, who was driving her kids home from uh, school. I scared her. She put her brakes on. And because I was driving like I was in Little Rock, there was no room for brakes, <laughs> no room for braking. And so I slammed on my brakes and I began to skid off the road and I almost missed her car. <laughs> and I clipped it with uh, my left quarter panel and I got her right rear bumper. And, um, and I continued on off though, uh, the road and uh, eventually made great contact with a mailbox. And the mailbox came around and broke out my passenger window. And I came to a stop. She stopped. And my buddy behind me stopped. And uh, he quickly got in his car and went on and left. And I dealt, I was left to deal with the, the lady. And, um, but her car was fine. Everybody was fine. My car was fine. The only casualties in this were my pride and my ego and uh, uh, the mailbox, of course, <laughs> and the post and uh, my window. Uh, that was the only, uh, the only casualties. Um, and so I actually paid uh, for a new mailbox for the guy. Uh, and a new post. Um, but you know what? I did not pay for his time to go and put all that back together. I don't know why. For some reason, I didn't think that was my responsibility, but I was wrong. I, but I did. I just, in thinking back about it, I didn't pay for his time to go back and put his mailbox, his new mailbox back together. Um, and you know what? Also, I was thinking about this. I don't know that I even paid for my new window well, new to me, we went to the junkyard to buy it out of another old car. And, but I think my dad actually paid for that because he knew that I was following too closely, but he didn't know about the passing game. 
Well, he does now in heaven, uh, if he understands. <laughs> he knows now. But he didn't know then about the passing game, and I think he actually bought the window for me. True story. I was actually blamed. All my dad knows is that I blamed her for breaking too real hard in front of me. So I kind of passed on that responsibility. Um, and here's the thing. We live, uh, this is our, our culture, even today. That was when I was uh, in high school. But it's still our culture today, a, a culture of uh, kind of failing to carry our or to shoulder our responsibilities. Uh, it's a culture of blame, pointing to other people and saying it's their fault, it's their fault, and it's not my fault. And if I say that, if I'm blaming somebody else or I have an excuse for why something isn't going the way I want, I can have an excuse, and I'm saying essentially, you or another person, you are responsible for taking care of this, not me. You are responsible to do that. So I blamed her for breaking hard, but I bet something in your life as well that you have blamed somebody for something at some point, surely, in your life. A culture of blame. And although it can ease some of our guilt, it can ease our mind if we think that other people think that we're not responsible, but it does nothing to solve the problem that we're in. An excuse or blame does nothing to solve the mess in which I find myself. Because as long as I point to someone else or something else, I will remain stuck in a cycle of irresponsibility because nothing is changing, and I'm just pointing. Now, there's something interesting to me about our culture today. Although we have really advanced scientifically and tech, with technology, we've advanced, and even advanced in our ability to communicate with others and around the world, it seems like emotionally, though, it seems like we're behind we're advanced with technology, but emotionally we're behind. Let, let, let me try to unpack this statement for just a moment. Our devices are smart, but are we living smart? We have a tendency to want to take the bumps out of a road for the people that we love. We have a tendency. We just do. We love them. We want to take the bumps out of the road for them. We want that path to be better for them, easier for them. Maybe take out some of the curves. Maybe take out some of the bumps. And it comes from a great place, a loving heart, a kind heart. We have a tendency to want to create shortcuts for people. Because after all, if you have a personality like mine, then um, you kind of look down the road and know where another person needs to be going or wants to go. And you might know a better way to get there. And so if this is your child or if this is a friend, you might develop some shortcuts for them and say, if you would just go this way, take this way, take this path. And we're kind of out there creating shortcuts, removing bumps, straightening out the road. And our goal is we want to ensure them success. But the sad reality is that's not exactly what we're doing. The reality is we are delaying some very, very important steps along the way. Some steps that we need to go through. Some steps that actually help us develop as an adult. 
to become a responsible adult. And the longer we delay those lessons, then, well, these lessons can only be learned by adversity. The longer we delay that, then the more emotionally expensive it gets, the more relationally expensive it gets. You see, age-appropriate diversity, adversity, not diversity, age-appropriate adversity, here's what happens. A seven-year-old has some trouble, and if it's appropriate to their age, well, the result might be, let's say, um, the result might be maybe they get time out, or maybe at school they miss some recess It's appropriate to their age if they're going through that trouble and they experience that. But the older we get, the more costly it is. It's very different for a 27-year-old who's trying to go through adversity if they've never really had to go through adversity. And, And the cost is not a timeout and the cost is not missing recess the cost, is, the cost is much higher emotionally and relationally. It gets a lot more complicated as we get older. But we do have a habit with the people we love and the people we care about of preparing the path for that person instead of preparing the person for the path. And at some point, for everybody, adversity is going to strike. But we find in our culture more and more that ourselves and people around us are not emotionally ready for that adversity. But honestly, that's not really new. That's not a a new thing. This has been going on a long time. Even 2,000 years ago, Paul was basically talking about this very same thing. But I think we could take what Paul was talking about. Well, we started a few weeks ago and, have con- and are continuing today. We could take what Paul is talking about and we can summarize it with our language with one word. And that word would be this. That word would be entitlement. Entitlement. And entitlement basically says this, I shouldn't have to deal with that. I shouldn't have to handle that. You should take care of that instead of me. You should take care of that for me. I I shouldn't have to experience this adversity. You should handle that for me. You should clear the path for me to make it easier for me to move down the path. I mean, that's I anticipate that's going to be too hard. That's going to be too tough. I, I, if, you, if it's left to me, I'm just going to quit. I've had enough. I, I don't want to go through that. I need you to take care of that for me. Now, for, for many, this whole thing of entitlement, it kind of shows up in some common symptoms. Here's what we see with entitlement. The common symptoms are, the first one would be impatience. Impatience says, obviously, I want it now. And in fact, it would say, I think it's my right to have it now. We also see with entitlement, we see laziness. This, this, this list comes from uh, psychologists. They say we see an increase in laziness, which says, I, I don't want to have to work for it. I, I don't want to have to work hard. 
I don't want to have to work for it. I really think it's my right. I shouldn't have to. Then we see a high rate of comparison that says, well, wait a minute. I want what they have. I want it because everybody else has it. And therefore, I think it must be my right to have it too. We see an increase in fragility, being very fragile, not able to handle adversity. And, it, and that says, I, basically, I want somebody else to fix the mess, either the mess that I'm in or the mess that I've created. I, I want someone to fix it. And then we see an increase in irresponsibility, which says, I don't want to clean up my mess, and I don't have to. I, I, I shouldn't have to clean up my mess. And all of these things together, we feel like those are our rights. We have a right to that. And then we see an increase in anger because suddenly I'm mad that people won't give me what I want. I'm mad because they won't give me what I feel like I have a right to. So that makes me mad. But the reality is this. Rights only exist with the combination of responsibility. Let me say that again. Rights only exist in combination with responsibility. Every right comes with a corresponding responsibility. And we have a habit of claiming our rights, but we don't want the responsibilities that go with them. And if we really, really want to help somebody succeed, it is going to require us to not violate that principle of how life works because that's the way God has established it. This life equation, rights connected to corresponding responsibilities, that's the way it works. Rights always have corresponding responsibilities. One psychologist stated it this way. We have a statue of liberty on one coast, and he says, maybe we need a statue of responsibility on the other. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. Now, last week, we discovered uh, this principle that Paul was teaching us, the principle that God has placed on this earth. And the principle, in effect, is, is there whether we realize it or not, whether we like it or not, it's still there. Whether we know it or not, it is still there. Even if we don't agree with it, it's still there. It's called the principle of planting and harvesting. And here's what Paul wrote. We read it uh, last week. It says this. He wrote this in a letter he wrote to the church that was meeting in Galatia. Galatians 6, verse 7. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, Harley, don't fool yourself. Do not fool yourself. Harley, your mama and your daddy, they may have plowed the road for you to make it smoother. 
Uh, you may have had a teacher, Harley, that took some bumps out and kind of moved you along the way and made it easier for you. You didn't have to go through all that adversity, Harley, but don't fool yourself. Make no mistake, Harley, you can't get around this principle. Harley, you will always, always harvest the seeds that you plant. It's going to happen every time. You can't plant a weed and expect a watermelon. You can't plant a thorn and expect a baseball <laughs> or corn. You're going to get what you plant every single time. The seed that goes in, that's going to be what is harvested. Paul says you can't get around it. Thorn will not become corn. A weed will not become a watermelon. Ever. Every single time. And it's a principle. It's not good and it's not bad. It just is. God is basically saying, listen, your life and my life, it's connected. Things we do have a connecting point. It's connected. It's a principle, not good or bad. Where I am today is a direct result of the decisions I made in my past. And get this, where you and I will be in our future is a direct result of what we did yesterday and what we're going to do today. Paul goes on and he says, in verse 8, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Now, we don't like this part. At least I don't. Because this part reminds me that exactly what I plant, that's what's going to grow. And I will harvest that. That is where we know if I plant weeds, it will never turn into a watermelon. If I plant thorns, it will never turn into corn. I am going to get exactly. So this works against me because I'm going to get what I plant. But at the same time, it works for me because I'm going to get what I plant. Now, along with the planting, uh, this law of planting and harvesting, this is what we did not talk about last week that we want to talk about this week. There are two huge implications with this law of planting and harvesting. Here's the first one. You harvest later than you planted. You harvest later than you planted. I brought with me uh, a show and tell. This Although it come, uh, it's in a little professional cup, uh, I just borrowed the cup because the little plant inside uh, came from my, I can't call it my, um, Vanessa's garden. That's a little tomato plant. And actually there's two, three, four, there's several in there, little tomato plants. These little tomato plants, um, Actually, these were planted last, I want to say, October or November. 
because this is the last of the crop that we didn't harvest. We didn't harvest those off the little tomato plants, and it was full of little tomatoes when the first frost came. And they uh, dropped to the ground, and we have probably 20 or 30 of these guys in our garden. Um, uh, Vanessa calls them volunteers, but they came from little tomatoes that hit the ground in October. We didn't do anything with them. So the seeds were planted October, November, and they popped up in May. Right there. The, the harvest is always going to come later. Those seeds were planted quite a while ago. They're going to come, and the harvest is still yet to come. It's going to come later. The harvest will always, it is not instant, usually. Uh, it, it's, that means on the good side of things, there's a delayed gratification. On the bad side of things, we get the gratification now for our irresponsibility, and we're delaying the difficult harvest. So if we're trying to plant new seeds in our life, if we're trying to plant new seeds, this makes it difficult. And here's why. Because we're trying to plant new seeds in our life, but yet the harvest comes later. Harvesting those good seeds will come later. And that means that's why we want to give up now. Because it's later. The harvest is later. And because the harvest is later, that means we can't give up now. We have to keep planting new seeds, the right seeds, because the harvest is later. And it's why sometimes we plant good seeds for a little while, but we finally give up and we're like, I, 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 I. I planted those right seeds yesterday and last week and maybe for a month I planted those right seeds and look what's happening in my life. It's still a disaster. Right now it's still a disaster. And it's because we're still harvesting some old seeds. We're planting new seeds and that's going to come later but right now we still have an old crop that's coming in that we have to deal with. So we can't stop it. It makes it difficult. And we're like, I, I don't like that. I, I don't want to give it a few days or a few weeks or a few months or a few years. We say, yuck, I don't like that. And you know what? Paul understood that too. Because while technology is very different, obviously, from 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this, Technology is different, but people are pretty much the same as they were then. And that's why Paul knew he had to, under the direction of God's Spirit, he had to continue this passage. And Paul had to say what comes next. When does the harvest come? When? It comes later. And here's what Paul says in verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Because the harvest comes later. It comes later. And we look at other people, though, who are being irresponsible. We look at them and we have a tendency to think, God, what, what gives? I mean, they're having a blast. 
They're having lots of fun. They're being irresponsible. They're getting to travel all over the world or all over the country. They're getting to do all this, all that. They, they had, they're avoiding all their responsibility. They're being irresponsible. What gives? We think nothing's happening to them. So why must I continue to work hard and try to plant the right seeds in my life? Because look, obviously, God, they're getting away with it. They're getting away with it. Why am I working so hard to do something different? But the harvest, whether for bad or whether for good, the harvest is always later. But we have a tendency to give up too soon. That's why we can even envy irresponsible people. That's why I can eat right for about 48 hours and then I'll step on the scale and I gain two pounds and I'm like, doesn't work. I give up. It's over. But remember what Paul said in verse seven. Let's go backwards just a bit. In verse seven, he says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And that harvest comes later. It comes later for the good things that we're planting and it comes later for the weeds and the thorns that we're planting. It comes later. But there's another part of this principle, another part that we don't want to miss. And it can be good, but it can also be not so good. And here it is. It's also greater. You harvest greater than you planted. So not only do, is the harvest later than we planted. The harvest is greater than we planted. From one seed comes many, many seeds. From one watermelon seed comes many watermelons. And inside of each of those watermelons are many, many more seeds. That's all from one. From one seed off of an ear of corn comes a whole nother plant with a couple more ears of corn. I couldn't afford a big apple. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I get these because it makes me feel like a giant. <laughs> this is an apple. Now, with a, with a, a corn plant, with a tomato plant and a watermelon plant, you plant one seed and you get a season. It's great. You plant an apple seed. And that's going to produce greater for years and years and years. And listen to me. Don't miss this. This principle works for us, and it can also work against us. For a season or for years. From one seed comes many, many more. And sometimes this is the hardest part. This can be a very emotional part of this. Because this is not a fair principle. I mean, if we have planted some of the wrong seeds in our life, this is not fair. 
because the harvest is going to come later, but it is also going to come greater. It is going to be tougher than we imagined, more difficult than we imagined, more difficult than what we planted. So no matter if we have sown responsibility or irresponsibility, we are going to harvest greater in that type of seed. And don't miss this. It will be better or it will be worse than we think is fair. Mm. If we plant irresponsibility with our money, the harvest is going to be greater difficulty. And we have a tendency to say, listen, yes, I know I was unwise with my money, and I, I know I was unwise with my credit cards, and listen, yes, I, I, I didn't ask God what he wanted me to do with this, and I just did it, but I don't deserve this. I mean, I, mean, I don't deserve bankruptcy. I, I don't deserve this. And I would say, you might not. I mean, that may be a true statement. I don't know your story. That may be a true statement. You may not deserve that. It may not be fair. But the principle is not picking and choosing. This law that God has placed in life is not picking some and choosing others. It's not giving some people a pass and laying it on extra thick for others. It doesn't know your name. It just works for you or it works against you every time. And we are going to harvest later than we planted and we will harvest greater than what we planted. And I've got a secret for you. I mean, deep down inside, it's the way you want it to be. I do. You might say, no, Harley, I, I don't want it that way. But just, just think with me for a moment. Let's say you're leaving Walmart down here. And you get robbed at gunpoint. And they, maybe they, it takes them a couple minutes. They get your wallet or your purse. And they go ahead and take all the stuff out of your car that you would rather love to keep. And they take it all. It takes a couple minutes. And they take off. And they get out of there. Maybe they're gone 28 minutes. It takes the, the police about 28 min minutes to catch up with them. But they do. They catch them. And now you're before a judge. You're there. They're there. And you're getting ready to find out what's going to happen. And here's what happens. The judge looks at the case and he's like, okay, I understand what happened. Let's see. They robbed you. Gunpoint. Um, took them a couple minutes to get your stuff. 20 minutes down the road. They caught up with them. So let's see. 28 that's, uh, um, uh, that's 30 minutes. All right. Guilty. 30 minutes in jail. 30 minutes. And you're like, no, that's not the way it works. And the judge is like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll be tougher. Double that, an hour, hour in jail, off to jail. No, you say, no, 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 that's not right. You're like, okay, judge, okay, okay, okay. Um, let's see, we'll do this. A day in jail, one day, 50 times worse, 50 times worse than that 30 minutes, a day in jail. And you're like, no. How about years and years in jail? And the judge scratches his head or her head and, and she says, wait a minute. You're telling me that you want to punish a 30-minute crime with 10 or 15 years in jail? Of course you do. 
Of course I do. Because we know that the harvest is always greater than what we plant. And we want it that way. We just don't want it to apply to our irresponsibility. Only for theirs. So listen. With the law of planting and harvesting, don't expect fair. Don't even expect it to be just. We can't complain to God when the harvest comes in and blame God. Because he gave us the principle. He told us about this principle in his word. He made everyone around us adhere to this principle. So it's up to us to either make this work for us or against us. It's our choice. Now that's what I would call liberty. It's our choice. I want to hit pause just a moment. I've invited my buddy. He's from Texas. And he is here today. Um, and he's going to share part of his story. This is Michael. And um, Michael Denby with an N. And Michael, I am so glad that you drove over today from Stuttgart, brought some friends with you. And you're here to share with uh, your new friends in Malvern part of your story. And so you just begin where you want to begin, and, and I, I'm excited to hear. Uh, man, I grew up in a broken home when I was younger. Uh, I was an addict for 17 years. Uh, but it started off at a young age, stealing seven, eight years old. I used to steal pocket change, and that progressed to stealing money out of my pop's wallet, and that progressed to stealing from stuff from stores. But as I got older, that ain't mere materialistic things wasn't the only thing I stole. I stole people's peace, their joy, their happiness. And speaking of responsibility this morning, uh, man, I got three kids, and when the mother of my kids was pregnant with them, man, I didn't take responsibility of that. Uh, I always cheated on her, messed around on her. I did what I wanted to do. Uh, when my kids was born, man, I was at the hospital, but I was always high. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do as a father. Uh, so, you, and there were moments in their life that you were there, but, I, but you but weren't I really there. Wasn't. Yes, yeah, sir. yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yes, sir. Uh, and 2020, September 5th, my youngest daughter, she drowned. Mm. Uh, we was at a buddy's house and we was drinking. Yeah. And all the kids went inside. My youngest daughter followed them in. Well, about 20 minutes later, they come back outside and my youngest daughter went with them. And I stood up to go inside and see what she got into because you know how kids are. Yeah. Well, I raised up and I looked at the pool and she was flat, uh, floating face down. Mm. Uh, I jumped in the pool and I got her out and I was just thinking how I felt as a father. Oh, and uh, I remember kissing her and telling her I loved her and that I was sorry. And my buddy told me, let me see her, let me see her. I said, told her, man, it's too late. I said, she's dead. Well, we sat there and argued. Well, he got her from me. He started work doing CPR. Well, I picked her mother up off the ground and I just remember looking up to God telling him, Lord, just give me one more chance. I'll do whatever it takes. Uh, please bring my baby back. Well, seven minutes after my buddy worked on her, man, she started whining and crying. Wow. But taking responsibility, as soon as I asked him that, he brought her back, man, I forgot about it. Gotcha. I didn't, I didn't thank him. I didn't even acknowledge it. Well, the next day, I went to jail for 14 days for stealing a check. Uh, the whole time I was in there, man, I told him, just get me out of here. Hold this up a little bit. I told him, I said, just get me out of here, and I'll do whatever it takes. Just, yeah. Which that sounds real familiar. I just did that the 
the day after or before right. that. Uh, well, I sat in there 14 days, and he finally got me out of there. Well, the mother of my kids and my kids walked up to jail to bond me out because my truck was broke down at the time. Uh, when I got out, I was at the house about five minutes, and I forgot about that promise I made him, and I was back with my buddies getting high again. Well, exactly a year later, uh, September 5th, 2021, I ended up at John 316. Can I hit pause for a moment? Yes, sir. Because I, I don't know your story, Michael, but I'm just guessing that when you were holding your child, that you were serious when you said, hey, God, I'll, you, get, you take care of this. And, and you were serious with God. You weren't, and then probably when you were in jail, you were serious with God, and you meant that, didn't you? Yes, sir. You just didn't follow through. I didn't acknowledge it, no, yeah. sir. Yeah, and so now take us what you landed at a place called John 3.16. Everybody here, some, there may be some folks who don't know what John 3.16 is. What's that? Uh, man, it's a, a spiritual boot camp for men with addictions. Yeah. Uh, man, it's, it's the best choice I ever made in my life. Uh, but leading out of getting out of jail, man, right before I went to John 3.16, I told God just to help me one more time. And I told him, I remember praying that night. I told him, man, I mean it this time. I mean it this time. And I called around to different facilities, and they'd only fund for 30 days. And I'd have been to a 30-day program, and that was only long enough to get me clean to be able to pass a drug test. And I got out two weeks later, and I was back getting high again. Yeah. But when I told him this last time, I prayed to him to get me out of the situation, man, I actually meant it and I ran with it. Yeah. And I ended up at John 316 and man, it completely changed my life. And you were in Texas. Yes, sir. Right. And you ended up in nowhere, Arkansas. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I remember calling them places and man, after I called them places and the state went fun for 30 days, man, I felt hopeless. Yeah. Uh, like nothing was ever going to change. I called the mother of my kids and I was crying, talking to her, telling her I needed help, but I knew that I couldn't afford a long-term yes. facility. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's expensive, yes, sir. isn't it? And how much does it cost to go to John 3? It's absolutely free. Do you hear that? Be willing and thankful. That's, that's all they ask. Yeah. Not everybody gets in. No, sir. Not everybody. Yeah. But and it's not a money thing. No, sir. It's not, they don't ask you for no money when you get in there. Yeah. And you gotta, you learn to serve while you're in there, but that's yeah. what God came to do. He came to serve yeah. us and that's, that's what we got to learn to do is serve. So you knew you wouldn't be able to afford a longer term facility. And somehow you discover John three sixteen, and you, and they say, if you can get in, we'll take you. And someone else has already paid that bill. Yes, sir. For you. Yes, wow. Sir. Wow. So you're there now. Yes, sir. Then. Uh, and when I got there, man, I learned perseverance and that's why I like Romans five, three. Uh, we also glory in suffering. Suffering builds uh, perseverance. Perseverance builds character, and character uh, gives you hope, and hope doesn't put you to shame. Yeah. Because uh, when I was in there, two weeks after I was in there, my brother-in-law had passed away. Uh, I was trying to get him in. He drank a lot, and he had a wreck and ended up flipping a truck on top of himself and yeah. uh, burnt to death in it. And then after that, uh, my niece, she died. She passed away. But I, I learned to lean on God more, and that's what perseverance. I was telling a young man this morning, He's having trouble with his eyes, and I told him, man, just persevere through it. That just, that teaches us to lean on God. Uh, yeah. We got to put our, all our faith and our trust in him. It's, we're not going, we don't go through things for no reason. Uh, present suffering uh, produces future glory. Yeah, yeah. So, Michael, um, you've described who you were then. Tell us about Denby now. Man, I got love, peace, joy, happiness. Uh, 
Mr. and Mrs. Cortez, man, they blessed me to give me a chance at the Zacchaeus house. And, man, instead of being a burden, I'm a blessing now. Yeah. And it, it feels good to do that, to be yeah. able to go serve for people. We went and served for two people yesterday. Yeah. And just helping others out and stuff, and that's that's what it's all about. And you're serving this morning. Yes, just sir. the fact that you drove uh, those miles to be here today from Stuttgart. And I'm grateful. But I got to give all the glory to God, though. That's, yeah. That's the only way I could be who I am now. Yeah. Before, like I said, man, I stole everything from everyone, pushed everybody away. Nobody believed in me, and I'm blessed because I got Mr. and Mrs. Cortez. Man, they highly believe in me. Yeah. They got the trust in me and stuff, and it feels it feels good. And you're planting new seeds now, aren't yes, you? Yes, sir. Yeah. Completely new harvest, yeah. yes, sir. New harvest is coming, and you're probably experiencing it now, and you're going to experience it later yes, as well because those new seeds are going to grow later, and they're going to grow greater. Wow. I'm proud of you. Appreciate that. I really am, and I agree with you. Even all, even my own life story, whatever in it is good, it's all God's. Yes, sir. It's all him. Um, and I'm the one who has messed it up over time, and he is the one who's brought anything good to me. And I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm excited for you. I can't wait to see what God does in your life. Let me ask you this, because I, I know that we still have an option of what seeds we're going to plant. No one is making you plant these new seeds. So what habits do you have in your life right now that you're going to try to maintain to keep you planting good seeds? In other words, I'm trying to figure out even how to say this. If you stop doing some things you're doing, you might be likely to go back and plant some of those old seeds. So what are the things you're doing and saying, I don't want to stop doing this, and I don't want to stop doing this and this to help keep you plant those new seeds. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Okay. Man, the main thing is being obedient to God. Yeah. Uh, serving, helping others. Yes. Uh, staying busy, because it says in the Bible, idle mind will get you in trouble. And yeah. We, man, we always stay busy, even yes. on our off days. We're always working, serving, and helping yes. people. So now, you ha are you still part of some groups? Uh, yes, sir. Uh-huh. So you meet with some groups. Uh, and in that smaller setting, there's probably some accountability there. Yes, sir. You uh, you have mentioned uh, at least five or six times since you've been up here, you've talked about serving. Yes, sir. And um, and that is so. Um, that all of that together, I think, is what I'm hearing you say is being obedient to God. Yes, sir. And those are some key elements to help you be obedient to Him. And um, and these are some habits you learned at John three sixteen. Yes, sir. And now Cortez is at the Zacchaeus house is cheering you on. Yes, sir. As y'all are still uh, exercising those habits. Yes, sir. Ah, I can't wait to see what God does with your life. I'm so proud of you. When did you leave John three sixteen and go to the Zacchaeus house? Uh, March sixth. March sixth. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Best choice they ever made besides going to John 3.16. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We love John 3.16. We love the Zacchaeus house. And we love what God's doing in your life. Um, I want to pause. It, well, let me just ask this. Is there anything that you say, hey, before I leave, I want to make sure you know this? Anything to come to mind? And if not, that's fine. Man, just put all your faith and trust in God, and he'll do the rest. You got you to gotta do your part, though. You can't just sit back, because that's what we've done our whole lives, to sit back and 
say them foxhole prayers and hope that he gets us out of them. But even when things are going good or things are going bad and going worse, we always got to lean on Jesus. We got to lean on his understanding and not ours. And it's not our timing. We always try to outrun God with timing, but it's on yeah. his time and his time's perfect timing. So we got to, we got to sit still and be patient. Okay, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming over. I, I want to pray for you. And then I've got just a little bit more that I want to wrap up with this teaching. Let's pray. God, thank you for Michael. And thank you so much that you brought life back to his daughter. Thank you. And you brought life back to him. You brought him back from the grave. And God, thank you for the seeds that he's planting now. And thank you for the seeds that he even planted this morning by sharing part of his painful story. And God, you do get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise because you, you are the lamb that was slain for us. And now you went looking for that one. You left the 99 and you found him and his name was Michael. And God, there's another one out there today and there's another one tomorrow and there's another one the next day. Thank you that you pursue us. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, that is a great, great story. Thank you for driving over to share that with us, Michael. Um, so last week, Cole said softball. Today, I'm going to say baseball. The law of motion works every time. If I pick up this baseball and I throw it, it's going to sail through the air. I don't have to like it. I don't have to believe it. It's going to happen. It's just a law. It's not good or bad. It's just a law of motion, a physical law. If I throw this, it's going to go. It's going to sail through the air. It's going to happen. The law of the harvest. We are going to harvest what we plant. And every time, it will come later and it'll come greater. Always. It's just a law. You know, Paul said in verse 8, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. You know, last week and this morning, this can, this can really have that negative tilt because this law can work against us if we're planting the wrong things. But according to Paul... This law can also work for us because right after that, he says, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Listen, friends, if you're not happy with your current destination, where you are right now in life, I've got bad news for you and good news, but the news is the same. It's the same news. The bad news is so often we land where we are and, and there, are some, there are some decisions and some direction of our life that pointed us in this direction. And I do want to pause and say, though, I know, I know, I know. Sometimes we are harvesting a crop that someone else actually planted. I know that. It happens. Sometimes we're harvesting a crop that someone else planted bad seeds in our lives and we were hurt and that crop seems to linger. I know that. It does happen. 
but there are some decisions, some other crops in our lives that we kind of pointed our life in that direction. Maybe we said yes to a relationship that we look back on and we say, I never should, should have said yes. Maybe we connected our lives with somebody or something and we look back and said, I never should have connected my life there because it tilted me in this direction. While there may be some things where we're harvesting from other people, there are some other items and things in our lives where we can look back and say, yeah, 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 I made a decision that pointed me that way. But here's the good news. No matter if you're harvesting someone else's seeds or if you are harvesting your own, the good news is this. You made a decision to be in this room today. And that's significant. Because if you will keep planting new seeds, there will be a harvest if you don't give up. If you keep planting new seeds, you will have a new destination because you're picking a new direction. A big reality of this series, this is not new. It's not new. Most of this information we already knew. You probably already knew that before arriving this morning. You probably already knew. So what are we going to do with this not so new information? What are we going to do with this? You come to church. This building is not the church. You who gather, you are the church. You come and gather with the church. And yes, we can get convicted, feel this conviction from God. That's great. And yes, we can come and gather with the church and we can feel a connection with God. So we can feel conviction and we can feel a connection. That's wonderful. But when we walk out of this building where the church gathers does life simply just go on the way it did yesterday and the way it did the week before and the month before and the year before? You see, being convicted about making a change and being convinced that there needs to be a change, we have to take another step, like Michael said, and we have to actually do something with that. And we have to actually begin planting better seeds. I have to actually do something different. I have to plant something new. Now, to be fair, we really haven't told you. We haven't kind of told you the secret of planting. So what is it that we need to plant? So very quickly, let me read this verse 8 again. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Do you know, do you know what a life that is chasing after God's Spirit, do you know what that looks like? What a life walking with God's Spirit, do you know what that looks like? The New Covenant tells us that it looks a whole lot like love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. It looks like the type of man 
that you wished you would have married, ladies. And it looks like the type of daughter or son that you hope to raise. It looks like the type of parents that you wished had raised you. I've never heard a woman say about her husband, I've never heard this. He's just too faithful. I mean, I can trust him no matter what. He's too faithful. I think we need counseling. I've never heard a man say about his wife, that that woman, that woman, she's just too patient. And man, the kindness off the charts. It's so irritating. I think we need to separate. I've never heard it. I mean, come on. Isn't that the kind of harvest you want? Isn't that what you desire? And yes, it comes later, but it comes greater. So we've given the principle. We've discussed the implications of irresponsibility and responsibility. So here's a very practical step for us as we kind of begin to plant better seeds in our lives. You're here right now, and that's great. That is a great start. It's a great first step because the church in Malvern and where Cole is today at Stuttgart Harvest Church, we are all about helping people, and Cole and and myself as well, planting new and better seeds so that we can begin living and walking in step with God's spirit. We're all about that. It's just kind of our thing. That's what we do. So you're here now. That is a great step, and that is a great seed that you're planting. And I want to say this. Continue planting that seed. Keep coming. Keep planting that seed. But here's the next seed we're asking you to plant today, unashamedly asking you to plant this seed. Here it is. Sign up today to be part of a small group. We're asking you to plant that seed this morning. We're going to meet right here in this room on Wednesdays at six o'clock. You sign up, make sure we have your contact information and we will remind you when we're starting. It's just a, a few weeks away. Second week of June, I believe. And so here's what we're asking you to do. As you plant this seed, let's do this together. As you plant this seeds, these new seeds, let's all do this together. And let's wait for that harvest that's later and that's greater. Let's wait on that together. Remember, our direction is always going to determine our destination. It is never an accident. And I know for my own life, I want to become more and more of a husband who is kind and who is loving and who is joyful and patient and, 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 and peaceful and who is good and who is faithful and who is gentle and who is under control. I want that. And I want those same things for my wife. And you might say, well, Harley, listen, I, I'm not married. So it doesn't really apply to me. But it does. It does apply to us. If you're wanting to be in a relationship, if you're wanting to be married, listen, you you need to plant those seeds so that you can become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. We need to plant those seeds. Let's work together 
to plant better seeds starting this summer and let's do this small group together. So let's not get tired of doing good because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Let's pray. God, thank you for the law of the harvest. And God, I'm grateful that that law that you put in place does not pick and choose. It just is. It doesn't mean that some people harvest and some people don't. It just is. We all are going to harvest what we plant. And God, we can't really break that law. It's unbreakable. We will only break ourselves against it. God, will you help us to use this law, this principle? Will you help us to use it to leverage a life that you have designed and you have created for us? Help us to plant better seeds together. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray and celebrate these things. Amen.